Good morning, everyone out there in pajama land. Jason Connor, lead pastor of Porter Code Church, Arlington. It's great to be with you this morning. Psalm 19, the first six verses are where we're going to be. So as you're getting that, let me tell you the story of an astrophysicist. Her name is Sarah Sylviander, and she has a very unlikely pathway to meeting God. She grew up in Canada, and she had a, a good family, she says, uh, and uh, taught their, her to be loving and to be kind. Uh, she, she was also taught that education and science, above all, was what she needed to pursue. And as she says, that during that time in Canada, it was really kind of post-Christian, kind of like we are now, but more like Europe was back then, meaning that Christianity was really not valued. In fact, she was taught to be suspicious, uh, and that Christians were people that were generally weak, um, and needed uh, to create a fantasy or a story to somehow build up their lives and give their lives meaning. And so she really didn't think much about it. However, she wanted to study physics, and she ended up going into astrophysics. She also loved science fiction and Star Trek and Star Wars and all the things that we love today. As she got into her undergrad work, uh, she met some Christians, and she found out uh, through some of her friends and some of those friendships she developed with these Christians that many of them were loving and empathetic and caring and intelligent and stable and constant and joyful. And so she started to, to develop friendships there, and as she continued her studies, she realized that this crazy thing that it's almost as if the universe was begging to be understood and was drawing her in and drawing people in to understand it. In fact, when she got in her postgraduate work, she spent most of her time studying the origins of the universe, getting behind the Big Bang to see what was it that happened. And as she describes during that time, she had an awakening as she understood that this universe has incredible beauty and power and synchronicity and works together. She said it was just in, inconceivable to, to see this and reduce it to data points. And she quotes Psalm 19. She says, I had an awakening to what Psalm 19 says and understood that it was God who was creator, not just of the universe and of me, right? The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Beautiful story, powerful, and her ministry today and her science is groundbreaking. Friends, creation has a story to tell. and I'm willing to bet, like me, you don't listen to it, you don't think much about it, you don't bend your ear to listen to the words that creation at large is speaking to us. Maybe you're like Sarah. Maybe you're, you're being disturbed and, and drawn into this idea that there's a greater story that you're being called into. Or maybe like many of us, because of circumstances of life, you are drawn inward and you're trying to make sense of the data points of your own life and how your own story does or probably doesn't make sense and, and what it all means. Or maybe like C.S. Lewis says, you just have that inconsolable longing that drives you and you don't know why and you don't know what it's for. God has given us something to listen to. And many times it's silence. It's creation. Creation speaks. In fact, Scripture is going to tell us, Psalm 19 will tell us today that creation cries out 
for God's glory, cries out for God's glory, begging us to see, almost tempting us, leaving breadcrumbs for us to see the glory of God. We need to hear this today. So wherever your story is, I'm going to ask you as we open up Psalm 19 to listen to the words of God as he teaches us to listen to the words of his very own creation. So let's go there. Uh, Psalm 19, first, just the first six verses. That's all we can handle today. Let me just read it for us. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you today with this, I hope not, shocking revelation that we're your creatures and we live in your creation. Lord, let that shock us today. Let us understand the words that are not heard, yet that go out through all of the earth, that come from the work of your hands, that declare your glory, Lord. Let us hear those today. So we beg that you would open up your word to us that we might behold its treasure. In the name of Jesus, amen. So creation has a story, and that story is intimately wrapped up with your story. Creation is crying out God's glory. Now there's three movements I want to take you through today that will help us understand what this glory is and the words that creation are saying to us. First, what is creation crying out? Well, first, it's displaying God's greatness. This is what Sarah Silviander was kind of um, just, just overwhelmed with, the greatness of God in his creation. So it's declaring his greatness, but also creation is rejoicing there with God, rejoicing in his wisdom specifically. So we'll look at that. And lastly, creation is offering an invitation to you and to myself to enter into God's story. So displaying his greatness, rejoicing in his wisdom, and also offering an invitation for you and for I to get into God's story. So let's understand this a little bit better. Now, there's a reason we're only jumping into the first six verses of Psalms, uh, Psalm 19. It goes for, well, several more verses, 14. But there's three voices at work in Psalm 19. We hear three specific voices. The first voice in Psalm 19 is creation, which we're going to study today. The next voice builds on that, and it's the voice of God himself. So you can think of creation revealing God generally and in some very specific ways and drawing us into his glory and introducing us to the creator. And then his words and his instruction, as we jump in next week, will give us specific information and specific knowledge of God personally. And at the very, very end, the last few verses, you see the psalmist talk, and he, he gives words that are very familiar to us. He speaks about, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, 
O Lord, my rock and redeemer. So we see that the psalmist and those who are knowing God are deeply affected by the words that are heard or not heard in creation and in God's instruction himself. So we'll walk through that in the next three weeks. But what we want to see right up front is that we understand creation for what it is. Creation is a powerful work of art. Hear that. Creation has God's fingerprints all over it. It's a very, very important work of art that we need to see. Now, what does art do? Art communicates. If you've ever looked at a beautiful piece of art, it's going to have a message, and it's going to tell you two specific things, if not more. One, the author will have, or the painter, whoever's writing the art or the literature, is going to have a story that they want you to see. There will be a message. And also, you will learn something of the author or the creator him or herself. You will understand something of them. It's the very same thing with creation. As we understand creation, we are understanding its creator. So in the very first verses, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above or the expanse proclaims his handiwork. So creation is God's work. It's his artwork. And so we are to understand something of God and even ourselves as we understand the world around us. Now let's understand this idea of glory because glory seems like a religious term, but it's really not. What do we mean by glory? What does this text mean by saying that creation around us is God's work, teaches us of God, in fact, declares his glory? Well, glory is, is this. When you see creation or something glorious, it awakens in you this inherent suspicion that there's something greater at work in this world, in this life going on. It awakens the suspicion that you should even give your attention and your life over to this greater thing. And it wakens that up. And it makes you want to live your life for something beyond yourself, something that's glorious. Creation does this very easily because it's wondrous and it's powerful and it's something that none of us can replicate. So the psalmist is saying that creation actually draws us into glory. It actually awakens in us this desire to be a part of something greater than ourselves, to witness something transcendent, and to give our lives over to that thing. Now, it, it can be confusing, but also bring clarity. So that brings clarity, yes, transcendent. Um, we, we, we will find glory in music. We will find glory in, honestly, athletics, uh, something we can be a part of that, that, that brings um, competition and the glory of victory. Uh, we will find glory in everything but the glorious living God. That's why glory is dangerous. You will refuse to live your life just to live it. You will find a way to attach your life to something glorious, to something that has a greater meaning than you yourself. The reason you seek to do that is because you are created in God's image. And as Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has put eternity in your heart so that it's not enough just to live. You want to find a reason why you live and why you matter and how you can live your life in such a way that you are swept up in glory. Creation does this, declares the glory of God, pulls you in. And many times we will want to even worship creation, but we can't because it points. It says, no, no, I'm declaring God's glory. And in fact, that's even our desire and our purpose 
as humans. So let's not get confused. I want you to look at something. So yes, creation cries out God's glory. First and foremost in this way, creation is displaying God's greatness. His greatness, his power, his magnificence, his glory. I'm going to show you a picture now. I hope we're going to pop up on the screen. I want you to take 10 seconds and just look at it. So what you're seeing was brought to us by the Hubble telescope, put into orbit back in 1990. It's about 340 miles outside of our atmosphere, so it doesn't have the interference. And on a hunch, Hubble was pointed towards a deep field or a nothingness. And in that field came up with something we'd never seen before. In fact, in that picture you're looking at, there are 10 thousand galaxies. What is a galaxy? Well, a galaxy is a bunch of dust and gas and stars and solar systems. Many galaxies have billions of stars and solar systems in them. So what you are seeing is in an incalculable number of galaxies filled with stars like our own. We ourselves are in the Milky Way galaxy, right? We, we are in a solar system, the closest galaxy to us is Adronema, but we're looking way beyond that. Get a feel for your creator. Feel the weight of that picture, and that's a tiny, tiny piece. That is just one little piece of sky, one little piece of the expanse that Hubble is pointed at. Do you want to take your chances that all of this is an accident? Do you want to reduce it to a bunch of data points? when creation is calling us forward to see the greatness and the glory of God. That's part of what it does. It displays God's glory. Creation cries out this glory, first and foremost, displaying God's greatness. But secondly, there's a voice of wisdom here. In fact, creation is rejoicing in wisdom, the wisdom of God in creation. Um, one of the ways it does this is creation gives you perspective. Just like that picture of those, those, those galaxies gives us a feeling of humility. It should. It should give us a feeling of humility. Here's what we're really good at as human beings. We are really good at being reductionists. We can have great precision and increasing precision on understanding the elements of life and the elements of matter and breaking it down into smaller and smaller in pieces. But we have increasing ignorance in understanding the whole. What does it mean? How does it fit together? Why does it fit together? What, how do I even fit into it? We are not good at that. So what creation does is it gives us perspective. Friend, um, I will just quote uh, a famed astrophysicist, Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson, he, in his book, I think it was Death by Black Hole, he said that humanity is cosmically insignificant. He's absolutely right. If you were to step back and look at the whole of the universe that we can see, we should have the feeling of absolute insignificance, almost helplessness. Let me read something to you. It's out of Psalm 8, uh, chapter 8, just a few um, chapters ahead. Chapter 8, verse 3. It says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, 
What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor, and you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. Friends, that is like taking an ant off of your hand and saying, I'm giving you all of America. It's yours. Enjoy it. It's overwhelming. Yes, we are but a speck in God's creation. That should humble us, but here's what should humble you more. God has made us in his created order a little lower than angelic or heavenly beings in the unseen realm. And in his wisdom and in his grace, given us dominion over authority, over his creation. Right? When authority comes with responsibilities, that's a whole different story there. But friends, our first responsibility is humility and to worship God. So we see creation calling us in to wisdom. And we have to pull our imagination. I think also C.S. Lewis talks about the darkening of our imagination. We are forced to reduce um, our existence to data points and to formulas. Science is amazing. It's a gift. It's wonderful. But it cannot explain why. It's not, it's not the role of, crea- of science. And creation as a whole gives us that understanding of humility. But it's not just perspective, it's purpose. Uh, did you see this strange thing here uh, talking about a bridegroom? What is that all about? So the Psalm 19 starts out with giving us this, this meta view of creation that describes the glory of God and its speech goes everywhere. And then it gives us a view of something in creation, the sun, something everybody knows. In fact, in the ancient world, we probably would have said the sun is the most significant, powerful thing in the universe. And now we know that's not true, but from visibly, it, it certainly is, even to us today. So it, it, it runs out of its tent like a bridegroom from its chamber and then runs with strength and joy to the finish line just to come back to that chamber. Do you know what this is? Here's how we would write this today. This is like a newlywed leaving their honeymoon suite and running their course with joy, with strength, with purpose, with delight, knowing that at the end of the day, you're going to be right back in that honeymoon suite. Do I need to explain that anymore, right? So there's delight and there's joy and there's wisdom in the course that God has put for each piece of creation. So what does this mean? Well, the sun is not the moon. The sun calls to shine during the day, not at night. The sun is not a tree. The tree glorifies God in a different way. The sun is not a cricket. Uh, It doesn't eat anything. It has a role. It has a lane in creation, and it runs its course with joy. So we should understand something of the wisdom of creation in this. It's not just perspective and humility. We understand that God creates with a purpose. There's, There's an end point. There's a reason that you are here, that we are here to enjoy God, to glorify him, to know him eternally, yes, but also you. So we make the mistake all the time of looking at the course that we're running in life and trying to determine our purpose out of that. No, friend, listen, God is sovereign. He has set us on a course, and we are called to run it with joy regardless because we know that we are not left to our own. You, yourself, and myself, we are part of God's 
God's creation very specifically, and we will glorify him and bring glory to him and actually call other people to glorify him by how we run the race that is put before us, even and maybe especially when that course before us is painful, seems confusing, and we seem lost. And we learn to trust him in that. So creation teaches us, the sun teaches us to run our course with joy and that we are not God. We are, we are not angels. We're a little lower. We're not an animal. We're a little higher. We're in the created order and God has a purpose for us and that is to glorify him in the ways of image bearers and how God has called us to do that. Let me just ask you, do you have difficulty running the course that God has put you on right now with joy? How's that working out for you? And if you're anything like me, you struggle with that. I want to know where it ends. I want to know how it's going to end. I want to know what part I get to play in it. I want to know, listen, friend, God has set whatever he's put you on, whatever your future looks like or doesn't look like. We're called to run that course with joy. That is the wisdom that creation is giving to us. God has a purpose for you, has a purpose in you to glorify him in a very specific way, to know him in a very specific way, to reflect his glory in a very specific way. Um, And we are called to run that course with joy. Creation teaches us to receive that as wisdom as creation cries out the glory of God. And lastly, creation is calling us into God's story. You can't go outside, you can't look and, and, and not wonder and not understand how we are a part of God's creation. Um, let, me, let me just tell you this, this, this last week, um, like most people during this time, I'm no different than anybody else, it was a mixed bag. And during uh, one day this past week, I found myself in a parking lot talking to somebody. Now, that never is a good beginning or ending to a story. But it happened to be one of our pastors, and we were um, in, actually in the parking lot of a church because we happened to be in a different part of the city, and we were talking about things that, that would, seemed like opportunities, but as we continued to talk about them, they overwhelmed us, and as we were kind of game planning, we felt more and more futile in our efforts to, to, to walk our course as pastors. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, this woman walks by. She was very tall. Um, she had a straw hat on and very dark glasses. Uh, she was older, and she stopped and looked right at both of us and said, what are you doing? Do you go to that church? I'm like, oh, no, I don't. It, it's a long story, but we don't. Um, and so she said, well, let me tell you, um, you know, I, I like to walk. I've been walking this route for years. You know what? I'm 90 years old, and here's one thing I've learned. Every day I come out of my house, and I run this race with Thanksgiving. I come outside and I give Thanksgiving to God. He's it, man. He's the one who gives me everything and makes my life worth living. And then she pointed up, give, give thanks to God. And then she left. I'm not even convinced she's human at this point. She might have been an angel. I don't know. But here's what God taught us in that moment. Man, yeah, we might have tough stories, but our stories are couched in God's story. Creation helps you understand that. You are not the point of your own existence. God has a narrative. He's working, and we are a part of it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's confusing, but God is inviting us into his story. So let's talk very briefly a few ways that God would do that Um, because there's a bigger story at work. So creation calls us into that. How? Well, the obvious. This is not your story. It, it, it sound, does it sound offensive? Maybe. 
But we know this. You're, you're here, but you're not in your own creation because you didn't make it. You're here, but you didn't create yourself. You didn't choose anything. God created you. So please understand the logic here. Creation teaches that you are part of a bigger story. The life that you are living is not about your life. You're you're wrapped up into a bigger story. Well, what does that mean? It means creation is pointing you beyond your life. That your value cannot come from inside. It must come from your creator. Your story is being written, yes, by your decisions, and yes, by the, the path you're walking, but in greater ways, it's being connected to God's purposes for you, especially as you choose to walk in faith. And it's an invitation by creation to worship God. Don't worship self. Don't put that weight on yourself. You can't bear that weight. You were never meant to. So it's an invitation into God's story to, to worship him. Uh, secondly, it, creation invites you into worship God this way. You belong here. This is your story. So it's not your story, but you belong in this story. Friend, you are an image bearer of the living God. You are not like the sun. You are not like the moon. You are not like a cat. Praise God. There's so many things you're not like. You are an image bearer of the living God. And just like the moon reflects the sun, you are meant to reflect the glory of the living God. Do you see that? It's not your story, but you belong here. And lastly, creation teaches us this. This story is destroyed. It's broken. And there's absolutely no way to repair it. It's like sand falling through our fingers. Relationships are broken. Creation itself is broken. There's disease. There's war. There's racism. There's, it's fall. We're not going to be the generation in ourselves that fixes everything. Do you understand that? Creation teaches us that, that this is broken. Broken beyond repair. Friends, here's, here's how the gospel undergirds all this. God didn't watch this and then give us an instruction manual. God writes himself into the story of humanity. Right? God the Son, second person of the Trinity, takes on flesh. He becomes dirt like us. Walks this life in faith to God. Goes to the cross, suffering to bear our sin. And do you remember what creation does at the cross? Do you remember that? Mark teaches us. From noon to three, there was darkness. Creation is a covenant witness. I think in two ways. It was unacceptable that the king of glory would be crucified. And secondly, creation recognizes under the providence of God, this is judgment. Christ's death is judgment. That's what darkness is. It's leading to outer darkness. He takes on our sin, our confusion, our lostness, and our, our, our estrangement from God. He wipes out that sin and he reconciles us to God the Father. Do you see that? And creation is a witness to that in that moment, and we have it recorded for us. And so that is our call today. Creation cries out the glory of God. God is, it, it displays his greatness. 
It, it, it calls us to walk in wisdom with creation and invites us into his story. God is inviting you into his story now. Stop, listen to it. Listen to what creation tells you. Listen to his word is telling you to receive that. So where do we go from here? Here's application. Get out. This is Father's Day. If you're, if you're a dad, yay, I love you. you have, nobody can be a dad but you. Get out. Get outside of the house. Go outside, whoever you are. Go outside and listen to what God is telling you. Let his creation, his handiwork, dry you in to his story. Let's do that together. We need to hear this. Even if it's silence, we need to hear these words that creation is speaking to us that we might behold his glory and see his handiwork and worship him in spirit and in truth as we walk in Christ together. Do that today. Let's get out together. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much that you don't put us um, just on a canvas, Lord. You put us on your beautiful artwork, Lord, in your creation. And I just pray that you would give us everything we need to understand you and to know you and to trust you uh, and to hear your words that you give us, even through the work of your hands. In the name of Jesus, amen.